Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you may be watching or listening live or on demand. Welcome in. This is the Makeshift Managers Podcast. My name is Austin. That is Devin. Grant's back here, down here. He's there. Um, (laughs) We are back. We are halfway home with the MLB division breakdowns. We are back with the American League Central, probably one of the youngest divisions in uh, baseball, I would say. Potential is really high. Um, we got a lot going on here. Um, I'm rude as hell, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. Grant, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you guys? You know, um, the world keeps turning, and you know things <laughs> keep getting done. So the Giants couldn't sign anybody not named. Uh, who was our Who was our addition this week? I can't even like name the guy. Doc it's Peterson. Still, Oh shit! Yeah, we did. We did get Jock. So I'll, I'll bring the pearls to the bay. I'm happy for it. I saw I saw the Giants last year, and they were playing Jock, and the shit people were throwing at that guy was some of the most vile things I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> and he just brushed it off. That dude is next level. So welcome to the bay, Jock. We're happy to have you. There you go. Spring training is under underway. We're a couple of games in. Um, if you're watching spring training games. Great. I know I am just for because I just miss baseball in general. I, I needed I needed something. Um, but you know what else I need? I don't know where I'm going with this, Devin. Hey, man, if you don't know, let me tell you. Do you like saving money? Do you like feeling clean? And do you like a nice clean shave? Because let me tell you, our friends over at Manscaped have the deal for you. Use code TMSM at manscaped.com and get 20% off. The entire site and with free shipping worldwide and before we let you go on this topic our friends over at manscape actually sent austin and i the premiere package which features not only shampoo and conditioner body wash deodorant moisturizing body spray and for all the people that have chapped lips three sticks of lip balm and so i know what you're saying manscape don't they just sell uh, men's grooming trimmers no you'd be wrong As I'm talking to you, I am wearing Manscaped's boxer briefs. And let me tell you, this cotton blend is not only comfy, but it is functional. And so, as I've said before, help us help you. And thank you to our friends over at Manscaped for sponsoring the podcast. And don't forget to use code TMSM at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. All right, let's... Now I got to get the... You know how people say when you're nervous, picture people in their underwear... Now I got Devin and boxer briefs. I just... Hey, dude, I don't have, I, I'm just the, tor- the torso and the talking head. Everything else is just like, I'm liminal space. <laughs> My lower extremities do not exist. Uh, man, speaking of not existing, twins did not exist last year. Uh, they finished the division at 73 and 89, last place, 20 games behind the first place, Chicago White Sox. The twins have had an off season. Um, they have traded for Isaiah Kiner Falefa and Ronnie Henriquez only to 24 hours later, send Isaiah Kiner Falefa and Josh Donaldson off to the New York Yankees for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um, then with the money that they freed up because the Yankees so kindly ate Josh Donaldson's $30 million, um, signed Carlos Correa to a, Three year, a hundred and hundred and three point three something. He's, he's making like five point one a year. 
He's like there you go, 35 ever AAV with this contract. So, 0.1 above Anthony Rendon. My man just wanted the bag. Secure the bag, dude. Let's not forget they also traded for Reds ace Sonny Gray, um, rounding out the rotation at Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, um, Maeda and Uber driver Randy Dubnek are out, so that's going to hurt the rotation. So you're looking at a top three of Gray, Bundy, and uh, Bailey Ober, most likely. And then you got Joe Ryan, Griffin Jacks, Drew Strotman. Uh, if you guys don't know who they are, uh, neither do I. So we'll just move on to the bullpen. You don't know Devin uh, Meltzer? I, I do I do not. I share a name, so I have to show respect to him. That's my bad. That's fair. It's all good. <laughs> you got closer Taylor Rogers, not to be confused with Tyler Rogers. Submarine um, specialist. Probably the best arm in their bullpen. Um, the Roger brothers are pretty good at what they do in terms of relief pitching and or closing games. Um, so I do like Taylor Rogers in the back of the bullpen. I just don't know who's really going to get him there. Maybe Tyler Duffy. Uh, other than that, I don't love the look of the bullpen. Uh, they got old Gary Sanchez. Gary. 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 It is a great time on the podcast when we get to talk about Gary twice in our breakdowns. Uh, so look, nice Gary, to it twice. Gary Sanchez, the Kraken. Um really bad defensive catcher. Um, they got Ryan Jeffers, who I assume probably needs to take the bulk of the catching. And Gary Sanchez probably needs to DH most of the time, but not a bad DH. It is a big ballpark at target field and Gary does not run well. So I'm really interested to see how that turns out for him, especially with he's probably going to pull the ball a lot as a right-handed power hitter. We'll see how Gary does. I'll give him a chance. I will give him a chance. He is surrounded by some other power hitters in Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton. He will have Carlos Correa in his lineup. Uh, Max Kepler. This this team is like, what, two years removed off of hitting like 900 bombs in a season? Yeah. This team is very confusing, though. Um, they've just had the weirdest offseason of spending money, getting rid of money, making weird trades. They... Like I said, they finished 73 and 89 last year. So not the worst record in the world. Um, but I don't know if these trades help them per se. The problem I have is that I see Maneda, Kenta Maeda is out. Uh, that's their guy that they got last year. Was it last year? I believe so. Yeah, two years ago. I think he played for the Twins during the uh, shortened season as well. But he, still, was side, having... he was a Scion candidate alongside Ryu and uh, Cole, if I'm correct. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Um, I like Sonny Gray a lot. I think Sonny Gray is probably one of the better underrated pitchers in the in the game outside of his New York Yankees time. Um, but we just won't talk about that time. Um, Dylan Bundy has had one good season under his belt, and f- people think he can find it again. I personally don't believe in Dylan Bundy at this point. I they're going to give him a chance, but I think he's going to get pounded again. So I don't love the Dylan Bundy. Uh, idea especially if he's your number two or three guy he's maybe four or five at best um so the rotation the pitching in general scares me for the twins they can put up a lot of runs it looks like um you do have jorge polanco in that lineup as well uh this looks like a fourth place team to me it just seems like 
The problem I have is the same problem I have with the Yankees. Their lineup is going to produce a lot of runs, but to ask your lineup to score five runs a night is just non-realistic. It's not going to happen. And if your guys can't go five, six, seven innings, which I can't really ask much of outside of Sonny Gray, I really don't expect this team to do a whole lot. Um, Grant, how do you feel about the Twins? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i looking at their 2019 season when they won over 100 games and really surprised a lot of people when they made the playoffs and won the, the Central Division. Um, their, honestly, their lineup is pretty similar on par with the skill level that uh, they had in 2019. Um, I think they have a great um, lineup, one of the – better offenses um, in the division, if not the American League, Um, especially if you, I mean, you talk about health on a lot of these teams, but health on this team is really going to help them. And a guy like Byron Buxton, who to me was an MVP candidate last year before he got hurt. um, And I think he can do it again this year. He's extremely talented and um, in the same one, two draft class with, uh, Carlos Correa in 2012. So it's kind of crazy. They had the top two draft picks from that year on their team. Now, I think um, there's a couple underrated guys um, in their lineup as well. Uh, Luis Arias is one of the best contact hitters in the league. If not the best contact hitter in the league, he does not miss when he swings, it's going in play, whether it's a ground out or a single, but he, he, his whiff rate is like below 5% or something crazy like that. So he does not, when he swings, he makes contact, which is a good guy to have at the top of the lineup. Especially if you've got a guy like Buxton on first, you can move him over to second and a blink of an eye. Then you go down to the heart of the order with um, their new stud in Carlos Correa, who is interesting signing by the twins. I totally understand it from Correa's standpoint. He just wanted to get paid and he did. But um, if this team is not performing uh, as expected, like last year where they came out and struggled, I could see him getting asked to uh, be traded at the deadline or opting out because he has those two opt outs after this year and next year. So that'll be interesting to see how long he actually lasts with them. I hope for the twins sake and for the AL central's division sake, you know, they need that star power if he – I hope he stays in the division. Jorge Polanco, um, very underrated season last year. Uh, I think he's got some good potential to continue what he did last year. I think he had, I think, 30 home runs, so it's pretty good. And then um, Miguel Sano is, like, another one of those um, uh, two two outcome players, a strikeout or a home run. But when he's on, he's on with some of the best and has some of the best power in all of – baseball so if he can stay healthy too he's had some health issues but if he can stay healthy that's a guaranteed at least 35 home runs over the course of the season and then um a couple more guys at the bottom of the lineup uh kepler and kirilov are i mean kirilov's a little unproven but he has a lot of potential kepler we've seen what he can do he can do 20 to 25 home runs as well and he's great in the outfield so that's a good guy to have and um, like you were mentioning, Austin, DH for them will most likely be Gary Sanchez. Um, when when um, Jeffers is needs the day off, he'll obviously slot in. But I, I don't see Gary catching that much just because he's one of the worst behind the plate. And I think Gio Urshela was a nice add-in with that Sanchez um, signing. So um, 
you know, it'll play third base. And, and I mean, they have a rise who can be their utility guy and, and jump around for them as well. So it, it's a solid infield, especially adding Correa and Urshela. And I, I think this team will surprise some people. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs, if they make the wild card, but um, it's going to come down to their pitching. Uh, going back, like I said, to the 2019 team, they had a lot better uh, rotation with Barrios. Martin Perez, Kyle Gibson, Odorizzi, and Pineda, and um, none of those guys are left. So um, they're relying on guys that haven't been in the program with Sonny Gray and Dylan Bundy. Um, Sonny Gray, we know what we're going to get there. You know, um, a middling 3.5-ish ERA, and he he's he's a consistent top of the rotation guy. But Bundy, I think, is hanging on to that like one half good season that he had um and i don't know he he's i still think a little bit unproven and i i guess we'll see what we can get and i actually um someone you uh passed over joe ryan is someone that i'm really excited about he had really good expected stats last year really small sample size didn't play much last year but he's he's someone that the twins are really excited about um he's only 25 going on 26. So I think he's going to be really good for them. Came from the Rays rotation. So I feel, or I'm sorry, the Rays organization. So I feel like there's got to be some good luck there, just as we know what the Rays can do with their pitching. But outside of that and their bullpen, if, if you, if you have a lead, good luck holding on to it outside of Taylor Rogers. I don't see any names that I am thrilled about in this um, bullpen. So you're relying on your pitchers to go six, seven, eight innings, which is not a, a common thing nowadays in baseball. So it's either going to be high scoring wins where they win, you know, 10 to eight, come back, you know, add a couple runs when the uh, bullpen gives up a couple runs. These, these fans are going to have these games that go up and down, up and down. So if they can, if they can out hit teams, they're fine, but that's, that's a lot to ask every single day of the week. So I, I don't know. I think their offense is really exciting. Pitching starting pitching is average and their bullpen is below average if not in the bottom you know third of the league so it'll be an interesting team to watch it's it's minnesota like what what more can i say um they're uh they're a franchise that we don't really talk about in terms of being flashy and signing the big name free agents and making huge deals um I think Minnesota is a byproduct of kind of reading the room of the, of the division at large um, out of everybody else in their division. I think they saw besides Chicago and the white Sox that they had a shot to play against everybody else coming into the year and they acted accordingly. Uh, they flipped Barrios uh, mid season last year to the blue Jays. I don't know what the hall was for, but they weren't really sold on the guy and they moved him for prospects as teams do. And now they've reevaluated, as it seems, uh, coming out of this lockout to say, hey, if we, we've already inked Buxton, we have a window for now, technically, with Buxton being, I believe, 26 to 28 years old. Buxton's entering soon to be his prime as an athlete. So if you don't maximize the roster now, when are you going to, whenever it comes to a guy like Buxton? And so signing Carlos Correa, he was arguably the biggest fish in all of the free agents this year, is huge. But... Like Grant was saying, I don't know if the pitching is going to be enough. This team will be great on offense. It has the potential to be great. 
Um, Gary Sanchez has a, lot, a high variance in terms of his outcomes as a hitter. And with the uh, larger outfield out in Minnesota, maybe his home, home run numbers go down a bit. Uh, I can't speak for certain about that. But I do like a lot of the pieces, at least at the plate. Miguel Sano, as you said, a tr true two-outcome hitter, can hit bombs like nobody's business. I like Polanco a lot at second base, especially now that you're going to slot in um, Carlos Correa at shortstop. And I think Urshela is going to help them with some, with some stability and depth at third base in a way that defensively I think he was – uh, really underrated for the Yankees last year in terms of utility for their roster. Um, I like the outfield a lot. I think their outfield not only has depth, but it has talent. Uh, obviously, Buxton can cover 75% of the planet. That's not water. Um, he's uh, he's just as good of an athlete as Lorenzo Cain, but he carries a big stick. So his value is immense to this team. Um, and then Ma Max Kepler, he's a more proven commodity than Kirilov, but I have high hopes for Alex. I think he should have a really good year this year, and I think his potential could be through the roof in terms of a pro league player. I like Sonny Gray as a starter for this roster, but if Kenta Maeda can't come back healthy and effective, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Gray. And since his Oakland days, I don't think he's built to be that true number one starter for any MLB rotation. If you look to his days in Cincinnati, he was sitting behind Bauer and Castillo or before Bauer was even there, Castillo and whoever else was there. So if Sonny Gray was their three starter, I'd feel far more confident in this team's uh, at least rotation to start the year. But if you're slotting him in at the one spot, it's a lot of pressure to put on the guy. He's extremely talented and can pitch at a number one level in spurts. But to expect Sonny Gray to be your number one starter for a bulk of this season is a little optimistic. And outside of Taylor Rogers, this bullpen is going to be playing not with house money, but for every out they get, you're going to be clapping your hands because it's not, it's going to feel like few and far between because this offense will have to put up a lot of runs to remain competitive and they have the potential to do that, but it'll essentially be, can the bullpen not shoot themselves in the foot and cost this team games? Because if the bullpen's not there, this division's far too competitive. And as you were saying, Grant, I could see this team being the two seed or getting second place in the division and making a wild card run, but there are other alternatives in this division that have added players and have better pitching staffs. So it's not as cut and dry as, say, the Blue Jays adding a guy like um, Matt Chapman, right? They added Chapman. It, 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 there, there's levels to it. And so while I like the fact they've been aggressive this offseason and adding guys through trades and signings, they're in a really weird position because their moves, while pluses for their overall roster, I don't think add as much value especially in this contested division outside of the White Sox. I think anybody can beat anybody, but that's about that's my take on the twins. Yeah. The twins are going to be definitely interesting. I think Sonny Gray, um, I looked up his contract. He is this year and next year so far as a twin, but if he has a really good season and the twins are not, that's a pretty good trade piece. Starting pitching is always wanted at the deadline more than it, more than anything it seems like you need I, two or three solid guys to throw out there during a five seven game series i also do think the maneuvers they made this offseason i like them even more so because they allow them to kind of have some flexibility moving forward they have buxton under contract and they signed correa to a huge amount of money but if this season goes downhill they could flip correa for a pretty interesting haul of prospects, and they could flip a guy like Sonny Gray. Obviously, the Twins would like to win now. I don't know if that's in the cards for them, but they have the talent on this roster. If everything goes wrong, they could break the glass in case of emergency and come out next year 
with a far brighter farm and better prospects moving forward. Because in my opinion, at least over the next three years, I think it's Chicago's division to lose, regardless of what's really happening. But then again, that would be really long-shotting it because there's a lot of young talent coming through the ranks, at least in this division. But for the Twins, it's going to be really tough if they start the season essentially just flat because there's not much upside if they can't keep up with Cleveland or Detroit or maybe even Kansas City. You know, the division champs every April since I don't know when. Yeah, I I was going to add to, I think if you're a fan of this team, you're happy with what they did because they very easily could have just sold off after the disappointing last year. But I think their organization looked at last year as kind of a fluke because they had a really good 2019 and a good shortened season and they just, they just didn't produce. So uh, adding the pieces that they did. And like you mentioned, Devin, if it goes South, you can easily flip Correa based on the contract that you built in with him. So there's definitely upside and who knows if, if this rotation can hold their weight, through halfway through the season, they can definitely go out and get another uh, starting pitch. I mean, that, that's like the number one need they'll definitely mm-hmm. have to get if they want to go into the playoffs. So I, I think there's definitely potential. Yeah, the biggest problem with being a Twins fan is just like the playoff success hasn't been there yeah. at all. Like you've yeah. gotten knocked out by the Yankees multiple times. You got knocked out by the Astros. You haven't won a playoff game since 2006. Yep. You're getting you're getting swept out of the playoffs. You're not even being competitive in the playoffs. And that's that's a huge problem is that your team just doesn't show up when it matters the most. Like they're a good team, but to get absolutely annihilated year after year in the playoffs is just it you you feel like you don't belong at that point. You're like, well, why do we even make it? We didn't even put up a fight. It's really it's really weird. So we'll we'll see what they do. It their deadline's going to be really interesting, especially if they're like in a weird spot. And that's the great thing about the MLB trade deadline, isn't it? Is it's two months left of the season still when the trade deadline happens. So you could be hovering around 500 and push for a playoff spot, or you could feel the complete opposite and just tank your way to a good draft pick. It, yeah. it, you have to make big decisions with like 40, 50, 60 games left. I'll just add this one more thing. I think regardless of how the starting rotation is doing, I think if Byron Buxton is healthy by the trade deadline and Sano is healthy and playing to his expectation, if those two are playing 100% healthy, I think they're in the playoff conversation. So then I think they will add. Byron Buxton is that good. I, I have no doubt about how well he can play. It's just can he stay on the field? Oh, yeah. Completely agree. That's okay. Yeah, I would have to agree with Grant. If Buxton stays on the field, this team is completely different. All right. Coming off their 74 and 88 season, the Kansas City Royals. Devin? Okay. So as as an individual that uh hasn't really cared about the Kansas City Royals, the Giants beat them in 2014. I'm gonna be honest, I haven't paid enough attention to them in the past uh, couple of years. Um, I know Bobby Witt Jr. is their cash cow moving forward. He is the uh, prize uh, young player in their farm. I like looking at the pitching staff. They are extremely young comparatively to a lot of rotations out in the league. Um, 
I see a couple of names that I'm looking forward to seeing throw this year. I'm a big fan of Brady Singer. I think he's going to be good, and I want to see him develop more this season. Uh, the Royals made an underrated trade, in my opinion, in this uh, post-lockout shortened offseason and getting Amir Garrett. Um, the Reds seem to be selling a lot of their uh, top-end talent to the point where you can get people for pennies in the dollar. Look at the uh, Jesse Winker trade. Granted, they got off the uh, Eugenio Suarez contract, which is worth it and it's weight in gold. But I think Amir Garrett's going to be really nice for this bullpen, especially out in KC. He's not only passionate, he's also talented. And I think he's going to provide an edge for this team in general because they are on the younger side. And I think having a guy like Garrett can actually galvanize and help uh, inspire a roster to a certain extent. Um, the lineup, the lineup's good. It's cool. Salvador Perez was close to being an MVP last year if it wasn't for two guys named uh, Vladimir and Shohei. Um, Salvador put up one of the best offensive seasons we've seen from a catcher since I don't know when Perez was magical last year. And I don't care how you feel about his framing or all that other stuff. He had an insane year. Hopefully he can have another one. Cause if he, if he can't pro provide output like last year, I don't know how their lineup's going to fare necessarily. They also have a guy at first and Carlos Santana who his best years are behind him, but whenever he's on, he's still a good bat in the MLB. They have depth here, though, that I appreciate in Hunter Dozier and Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, Whit Merrifield at second base. I like Whit Merrifield. I'm a Whit Merrifield kind of guy. Uh, he's not a superstar, but he's a consummate pro. He's played MLB ball at the pro level for a while, and he's, I think, a good locker room presence as well. The uh, Kansas City Royals, for me, I want them. I want to see Bobby Whit play this year, personally. I want to see what he's got, if he's ready. Um, Adalberto Mondesi is a really interesting case for this team. Uh, kind of like the whole Byron Buxton thing. Grant said before the uh, episode started, he's like uh, Byron Buxton, but without any power. And whenever you get modesty on the base paths, he's a game changer. He's extremely fast. And he just hasn't been able to really stay on the field for the last couple of seasons, which hasn't helped him at all. But I'd like to see him out on the field more often. I like the outfield to a certain extent. Ben Attendee, in my opinion, is a pretty talented player. They have Hunter Dozier backing, backing him up in left field. And then you have this platoon of guys in Ryan O'Hearn, uh, Kyle Isabel, and Hunter Dozier, along with Michael Taylor in center. So this, this lineup lacks the upside of a Minnesota greatly, in my opinion. Um, and I think they go as far as Salvador Perez's uh, repeat campaign can take them. Their pitching staff, in terms of a rotation, I feel is better than Minnesota. And I don't know a lot of the names in this bullpen, but Amir Garrett being there, in my opinion, is a plus for them. I don't know if they're going to finish. I don't know where they're going to finish in the division. I don't see them as relatively being a high upside team. They're they're going to be in the bottom half of the division in my eyes, but who knows? They start strong every April, and maybe some teams start slow as well. But based upon previous history and what I'm seeing with the lineup card and their rotation and bullpen, I'm not expecting a lot from the KC Royals. And so I'm expecting fourth or fifth out of their output this year, especially with the improvements we've seen elsewhere in the division or where teams haven't had to make changes. Because while KC has decent pieces and one of the best catchers in baseball offensively, the Guardians have insane starting pitching and Jose Ramirez is a transcendent third baseman. And then you look at Chicago and I can go on for hours about how deep that team seems to be. Albeit with Tony La Russa out there jotting down lineup cards, which I don't love. Even a team like Minnesota with the additions they've made, it's just every team's kind of made noise besides 
the Royals to a certain extent because Amir Garrett got traded for, but I just don't know if their additions are as high leverage as these other teams in the division. But that could be a positive. Who knows? Because, you know, continuity and camaraderie actually mean something in baseball. You have 162 games, and if certain teams can't figure it out because the pieces don't align, then KC could make a run and possibly be advantageous in that factor. But just on paper, I don't think there's as talented as a number of the teams in this division. Grant? Um, yeah, I, I'd have to agree with most of what you said, Devin. I, I, it's a young, exciting team, especially when you have the number one prospect in baseball. I think it's cool to see that they're putting Bobby Witt at third right now in spring training, which tells me that like, they're basically saying, Hey, this is your spot. Go and get it. It, That's so that's cool. I mean, uh, in field with him and Mondesi would be really exciting. Again, Mondesi is a guy where if he stays healthy, he's going to put up 50 steals, which is absolutely insane. Especially when you have Merrifield who put up 40 last year. So if you can get those two guys in a lineup together, that can just create havoc for a starting pitcher or reliever who needs to try to, you know, shut down the inning. Um, I think Nicky Lopez is an exciting player too. Um, he's, he's kind of a, a um, Nick Madrigal esque player where he makes a lot of contact, gets on base. Um, doesn't hit a lot. I mean, they don't have a lot of power on this team outside of Salvador Perez, but again, if you can get Whit Merrifield and Nicky Lopez, on base in front of Salvador Perez, he's going to bring those guys in. He's one of the best at doing it. I will say um, it's hard for me to say this because of being a Tigers fan, but Salvador Perez is one of, if not the most valuable player for his individual team because he plays catcher about 150 to 155 games a year, which is almost unheard of and allows you to um, platoon your DH or, you know, explore other options. He's just a really good catcher offensively and defensively and being able to stay behind the plate every day. And then if he needs to DH on a few days, it's, it's just, he, he doesn't want to take a day off. So it's, it's a great thing to have. Um, and there's a couple exciting, you know, previously exciting names in Benintendi and Santana. I, I I'm pointed in Benintendi's career path so far. So I'm hoping he has a bounce back here. And if he does, That'll definitely help them. Carlos Santana is a you know really good high on base guy, but outside of that, I mean, he's got middling power and he's he's 36, so I don't think you're gonna get a whole lot from him now. But yeah, I think they have a high upside with you know Mondesi, Witt, and uh, Whit Merrifield and Nicky Lopez and Salvador Perez are exciting guys. But I don't think this team's gonna compete in the division. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think they do have a bright future. Um, it is cool to see Granky back where he started and won his Cy Young in, uh, I think it was 2009 with the Royals. So maybe that'll spark a little magic. I mean, he's still consistent, still got it at 38. So I think he's also just a good veteran presence to have in the clubhouse for those younger guys because they do have they do have guys in Brady Singer and Bubich and um, even a couple guys in their minor leagues that will really learn from a guy like Granky. Now, I know he's not the most talkative, but um, I think just the way that he operates would be a good thing to watch for those guys. Um, 
Yeah, and then going to their bullpen, the Amir Garrett signing was big for them. It's a big name. Um, it's interesting. I, I'm not really sure why they did it because I feel like they need to prioritize starting pitching first. But, I mean, he's a good setup guy for someone like Scott Barlow, who I actually think is one of the better closers in, in baseball right now. He's um, He didn't really close games last year, but he – he is going to be their closer this year, and he's got some really nasty stuff. So it's I'm going, to, I'm going to be excited to see him pitch. Don't know how many save situations he's going to be in, but I think he's an exciting name to watch out for. Yeah, I, I think this team potentially could lose the division come in last place, but they also have upside. So I think similarly to other teams like the Orioles that we were talking about, you just want to look at individual um progression so Bobby make Bobby Witt makes the team does he stay healthy does he have a successful full season can we get a full season out of Mondesi little things like that that you can add and look forward to 2023 mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's pretty much the Kansas City Royals in a nutshell I mean they're off of the World Series of 2015 seven years ago you have that little hangover afterwards and you kind of have to recover now um, they're a very young team I do like a lot of their pitching, as Devin said. Um, I really like Brady Singer a lot, too. Brad Keller, Chris Bubrick. Um, I really like these guys. Um, Amir Garrett, Scott Barlow, going to be a good one-two punch, I think. Um, Salvador Perez, easily one of the best catchers in the game. Carlos Santana on base machine. I love Whit Merrifield, one of my uh, favorite players in the game. But if the Royals aren't going to compete, he probably doesn't finish this year as a Royal. I think he can command a good amount of prospects. He can bring a lot of um speed uh on base contact to a team i think Whit merrifield is a very good player he was in trade talks last year i think this is the final year of a contract so if they don't extend him i think he's gone um if they're not competing nikki lopez um took advantage of getting a shot last year after mondesi got hurt so this is kind of a prove it year for nikki lopez i'd say andrew benintendi off a really big hangover being a Red Sox going over to the Royals. Um, should be a big bat for them if he can bounce back. Michael A. Taylor can play really good defense. Don't particularly love his bat per se, but um, he's established himself in the center field for Kansas City. Ryan O'Hearn, Hunter Dozier. I, I want to see Hearn and Dozier pretty much at the DH spot for most of the time if Salvi doesn't need a day off. I like Hunter Dozier a lot. Uh, I think the dude's got a lot of pop, so I'm excited to see him play. Um, these guys are the Central Division champions of April. They will go about 20 and 5 like they do every single year for some reason. Um, it just doesn't make sense, but that is the Kansas City Royals. I don't think they're quite here, quite there yet. Um, personally, I don't love Mike Matheny as a manager. Um to set the bar very high, I think he's the worst manager in this division. Um, but also, when you look at the other managers in the, the division, they're pretty insane. When you look at Tony Larusa, Tito Francona, AJ Hinch, and um, who do we just talk about? Rocco Baldelli, um, who basically comes off that Kevin Cash tree. So I feel like they kind of need somebody better to lead them to the promised land. Um, but I think. If their starters can get big step-ups this year, that'll be a good step in the right direction. But I don't think this is the year for them. Um, Like you guys have been talking about, Bobby Witt Jr., number one prospect in the league. 
Um, get that dude reps, get him ready. If you're ready to compete next year or maybe the year after that, he's got to be that dude for you. Um, you signed Salvador Perez to a four-year extension, so he's going to be that dude for the next four years. Um, he, he's running out of time. I don't know if he even comes close to repeating what he did last year. He's a big, strong dude, and I'm excited to see him play. Um, but to repeat what he did last year would be pretty insane. Um, if he does it, awesome. I, I love seeing Salvi play. Um, but we'll see about this team. This is a fourth or fifth place team. Uh, I think we've all established that at this point. All right. The so Detroit, have, huh? I've got I've got one more thing about Kansas City. Okay. Um, this is a team that I think has greatly uh out of all the 2010s World Series teams, I think Casey was just caught in this whirlwind of their World Series window and a lack of understanding post winning the World Series to a certain extent, because a lot of that World Series team either left or they signed guys like Alex Gordon that just didn't pan out. And I think they clung on to that, uh, the hope of that roster for a bit too long, which is a lot to say whenever you've just won a World Series. But I think they're finally moving forward in a way that is not only, I just think it's beneficial moving forward, how they've been able to understand where they're at now. And now they're actually moving forward. Like obviously Salvador is still there, but Salvador is the only piece that I think holds the value that he had during those World Series runs comparatively to everybody else they kept around or let go. So the Bobby Witt thing, in my opinion, the, the Royals are now in a rebirth as opposed to being in the shadow of what 2015 was, however high that high was. Yeah, because their window was relatively small. They lost to the yeah. Giants in a thriller of a World Series. Um, could Alex Gordon have gotten inside the park home run? We'll never know. Um, but they won the World Series in 2015, uh, beating up the Mets, and then 2016 went 81 and 81. 2017 yep. went 80 and 82 and then they kind of just tailed off from there so their window is extremely small lucky for them they capitalized yes um they did have that big three in the back of the bullpen when it was uh wade davis greg holland and um oh lord oh <laughs> don't look at me dude kill me I haven't paid, I haven't paid attention it. to Kansas City sports in the last five years. Besides the Chiefs, I'm a charge. No, they had a big three. I just can't remember the last the name of the other guy. I know it was Holland and Davis were absolute oh, studs. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They're closer? Um, God, they were all closers, it felt like. All three of them were closers. Royals closer. 20 I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> I just can't. I, when, I, when you say it, too, it's going to make me so mad. Um. But yeah, th this team was it Kelvin Herrera? It could have been. Yeah, I think it okay. is. Yeah, yeah, Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland. Yeah, they they had that big three in the back. Oh, they had Brian Madsen too, Luke Hochaber. Yeah. Dominant. So team, the, team was great. One more thing I'll add, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, like you said, Devin, I think they held on to the wrong guys like they yep. could have obviously Salvador Perez has held, held his value and that's great but yeah they kept Alex Gordon when I think they could have kept three or four other guys instead of him because even even during that World Series year he was not like the guy I mean Moustakis yep. um, Moustakis Hosmer. Hosmer Kane were all much more valuable 
Yep. So I think they could have kept one of those guys and tried to build around them with, with um, Salvador Perez. But again, it, it's hard to say that now. All right, let's move on to the third place Detroit Tigers. That is Grant's team. That is what I've been waiting to hear. So Grant, the floor is yours. Uh, mixed emotions. Um, I, I think I'm most optimistic about teams that are not my own. So you'll notice as I speak about this team, I'm pretty um, realistic just because the, the teams I grew up with, or I should say the early 2010s were some of the most exciting teams that we'll have. And I'm hoping we're trending in that direction, but it's been a rough five years. Um, again, we have a different general manager than we did in 2010, a different style where we're truly doing a rebuild and we're building from the inside out. Whereas Dave Dombrowski during our success bought whoever he possibly wanted, you know, the opposite of the money ball, um, the money ball um, stance. So having said that um, we do have an exciting team this year. Uh, we have a division that is uh achievable to make the playoffs in a wild card spot. I don't think anyone's touching the White Sox, but the division is weak enough outside of that where I think we have a chance to make the wild card. I don't think we will, but I'm keeping my my options and open and hope that we do. Um, so Akil Badu is um, probably going to be the leadoff guy. Again, with a hinge managed team, now the Astros made it easy because they just had quality players at every position. So he could, he could slate in who he wanted every single day, one, one through nine, but Hinch is analytically driven. So he's going to platoon guys and he's going to put, you know, guys all over the lineup in the batting order and all that. So I think Badu and Grossman are going to interchange at the leadoff and play your left and right field most of the year. Um, Badu is exciting. He's got 20 home run, 20 stolen base potential. Um, Robbie Grossman, again, he did do 2020 last year. Only 10 guys did that, and he knows how to take a walk with the best of them. So it's a good guy to have in front of the newest Tiger, um, Javier Baez. Well, I shouldn't say the newest Tiger. The biggest name that we signed in the offseason, Javier Baez. Um, I'm going to come out and say it now. Not a fan at all of him, but I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, just not a fan of guys who swing at everything, which is what he does. I'm hoping Miggy can teach him a few things because he's been around and, you know, Miggy's one of the best hitters of all time. So who knows? Maybe he'll he'll improve from that. And, you know, Hinch and the hitting instructors can work with him on getting his patience back. Then you got a guy in um, Jammer Condelario who is one of the more underrated um, infielders. Third base in MLB is uh, kind of weaker position right now. And I think he's one of the top 10 guys in the league, just what he does defensively and offensively is something that um, doesn't get talked about enough. He, he has a good approach at the plate and he'll, he'll be able to get guys in that are, you know, with Badu and Grossman on base in front of them. And then scope proved uh, that he's still got a little bit left in the tank. He's just a good veteran presence to have second base. It'll be good to have him in scope or um, him and bias turning double plays. So that that'll be good. And then I think Miggy, you can take what you can get from him at this point. That contract is atrocious looking back, but um, if he gives you 15 to 20 home runs, that's gravy. If not, he's going to be a good mentor for Torkelson, who I hope 
and I think he's going to start the season as the starting first baseman. There, I mean, all signs are pointing that way. Even Miggy said, I'll DH, I'll play less if we want to get Torkelson to bat. So I think that's a great, great mindset to have. And this guy's got insane potential. I can't wait to see it. He's moved through the ranks faster than most. And, I mean, he was drafted in 2020, and he was playing – in triple a last year and you know 2020 was a shortened season so that that says it all right there another guy that we signed um under the radar is tucker barnhart just a quality defensive catcher which we were really in need of um we have not had ever since uh mccann left for the white Sox, and now on the men, mets we really haven't had a um solid catcher defensive catcher that is so it's good to just have that to, you know, calm down the pitching staff, especially when we have a young pitching staff like the Tigers do. Um, and then the third center fielder outfield is going to be kind of a rotation of Victor Reyes and um, Derek Hill. And um, if Riley Green gets called up, he'll play center field. So we'll see how that plays out, depending on how the Tigers are doing, I'd say, at the start of the summer. And um, – Outside of that, we don't have a whole lot of depth. Eric Haas is a good name to keep out. Um, he's going to be our backup catcher, but he also can play the outfield, and he has some good pop in the bat, so that's a good guy to have on your bench. Um, moving to the rotation, I like the signing of Eduardo Rodriguez, one, because he's a lefty, and two, because he's been on a winning team. Good presence to have with those young guys behind him. He's going to be the opening day starter. I think that was already confirmed, so um, good for him. I think it's just a good opportunity to show what he's capable of. I think he was overshadowed by, um, you know, Chris Sale and um, Eovaldi and David Price, all the guys that were in the Red Sox rotation. So it's, I hope he has a coming out year and really proves what he's capable of. Um, and then you've got the three young studs, uh, Casey Mize, Schoolboy, and Matt Manning. Matt Manning is a little bit more unproven. He's also younger, so I think he has – an extra year of um, growth still, but uh, Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal, I hope will have a full season. They were both on inning limits last year, which is totally understandable, but if they can come out and give you a full season worth of, you know, 160, 180 innings, I think that's, that's great to see. And they have the stuff to um, do it. I, I just hope that they can do it over a full season. Um, I will say the pitching coach for the Tigers was a former U of M uh, pitching coach, and he's extremely highly regarded. So I think he'll work well with these young guys. And then last week we um, unexpectedly got um, Michael Pineda, which is a good guy to lock on, lock down at the back of the bullpen. Been there, done that, consistent. Not going to blow anybody away, but again, we needed a fifth starter. We didn't have one, so he he fits the bill. And then I think our bullpen's pretty underrated. You got. Uh, Guys like um, Cisnero and Soto, who can both touch 100 at times. And then um, Chafin and Fulmer are the little bit older, been there, done that, proven. You know what you're going to get, guys. So mixing those four guys up in there. And again, Hinch is one of those guys where it's it's not about time of the game. It's about leverage. He said Soto's my closer, but that doesn't mean I'm using him in the ninth inning. If I need him in the sixth, I'm going to use him in the sixth, which I love. It's all about positional matchups. It's all about, you know, okay, this guy doesn't hit lefties well, so we're going to bring in Chafin or we're going to bring in Soto. If he doesn't hit righties, then bring in Fulmer. So 
it's an exciting team. Hinch is the right guy for the job. I know he has a lot of asterisks next to his name, but he's proven what he can do with less. So I think it's going to be exciting to see what he does with more talent this year. And I'll, I'll leave it at that without going on too long. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start from the top here. You got Casey Mize, Eduardo Rodriguez, Spencer Tornbull, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, Michael Pineda. Six really good um, high potential guys. Obviously, Casey Mize, number one overall pick. Eduardo Rodriguez um, has been there, done that. Turnbull threw a no-hitter last year. Um, I don't know too much about Scooball or Matt Manning. Um, I do like the Michael Pineda signing. Um, I was actually talking with Grant that I would love if the Rangers had signed him because um, he the dude is nasty. He's got some really good breaking pitches. Um, he has trouble staying healthy, um, but he does have nasty stuff, and I like watching him pitch. Also, I am definitely one of those dudes. Um, when we were playing the Tigers last year, I think Soto came into a game. Um, to close out the game and his ERA was like four or five at the time. And I was just, I, we were just having such a bad season. I was like, dude, this guy has like an ERA of five, just blow him away already. Just like hit homers off this dude. And Soto just absolutely tore us apart. I, I like uh, Gregory Soto a lot. Um, Andrew Chafin, Joe Jimenez. Um, this bullpen could really hold down a lot of games. Um Barnhart, Haas, Garneau, really good catchers um, to be on the lookout for. It'll be really fun to watch uh, Spencer Torkelson. Um, I'm really excited to see that. And especially Miggy being like, get this dude reps. I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm down for it, brother. Um, that just shows the leadership that Miguel um, kind of has and where he's at in his career. He understands that at one point he was the greatest hitter um, in the MLB for two years two, three years with, you know, getting a triple crown, getting an MVP, being on those World Series teams. He's a damn good player, but he's old. He's almost 40 now. And you're kind of at the point in your career now where the bat don't move like it used to and neither does any part of your body. Um, but he's still <laughs> got power. He's still got contact. He's still Miguel Cabrera. He still steps in that box and you're like, okay, I can't give this man cheese. Like he hit a home run in the snow for crying out loud. That was great. That was one of my favorite parts of the season. Um, I like Candelario a lot. Um, Badu was a really good story last year. So that was, um, that was really nice to see Robbie Grossman on base machine. Um, having him at the top of the lineup is going to be great for the Tigers. I think a really solid guy to have in with a bunch of young dudes. Um, Grant said, he didn't love the Javier Baez signing. Neither do I. Um, I've kind of, this is not the bash Javi Baez hour, but it is. Um, it's always bothered me a little bit that Javier Baez is a very, is a plus plus defender. 100% can't take that away from him. Very, very fast hands can get to any ball left or right, up and down, diagonal. He's a great defender. But his big hype is that he has these El Mago plays. He has the rundown with Pittsburgh that literally should have never happened. Literally, my man just had to turn around and step on first, and that play never happens. Like it's these, it's these magical plays that 
pushes hype and yeah he swings on a lot of bad pitches and I think the Mets was a weird spot for him to go at the time because I think he got overconfident he got to play with Lindor Alonzo all these guys and he probably felt on top of the world until they started losing a bunch and felt like he could really swing at anything and hit anything um but now he's kind of has to be the guy in Detroit, has to be the leader in Detroit. You are no longer around Rizzo and Bryant or Lindor, this and that. You're not that dude anymore. You need to be the dude along with Miguel Cabrera to be like, all right, guys, this is kind of how it works. You can show these guys how to be a plus-plus defender. He's got power. Javi can hit the ball. He just has to hit the ball. That's the problem. Um. But it wasn't as atrocious as a contract as we've seen. I'm not saying like Seager or these guys got atrocious contracts. Maybe atrocious wasn't like the right word, but he got what? Seven years, 160 around there. It's a very affordable deal compared to the AAVs we've seen Correct. in the last three years. So this team can compete. Uh, AJ Hinch is... Might be the best manager in this division. Whatever you want to say about the dude, garbage cans, this and that. He is a very good manager. He knows how to take these young guys and take them to the next level. The Detroit Tigers, what was it? They finished like less than 10 games under 500. I have the wrong standings up. Um, let me go ahead and we fix finished, that. We uh, finished 77 yeah, and 85. About, yeah. That's pretty good for a team that finished 23 and 35 in in the shortened season and then finished 47 and 114 in 2019. AJ Hinch has made a huge jump in just two years. That's for, to jump 30 wins in a year is massive to not make massive additions to kind of take the same team and been like, no, you guys are going to put up with these losses and you're going to get better. AJ Hinch can take this team to a wild card spot. I think he could this year. Um, for me, it'll be the the pitching. Mize, they do have the veterans, so that will help them a lot. Um, but Mize, Turnbull, Scooball, Manning are guys that will have to step up and eat some innings and turn it over to the guys in the back of the pen like Soto and Chafin. Um, but this team can finish over 500, and this team can finish in a wild card spot. Um, Detroit is really interesting. Um, they have one of the best logos in baseball. Those orange D's on the hats are fucking nasty. Um, I like Detroit. Um, for this division, you've got a lot of teams that were kind of just in no man's land to a certain extent. It seems like everybody had their fair shot at contention aside from the Chicago White Sox in the 2010s. Until late 2010s for the White Sox, you had the early 2010s, the Tigers were contending for World Series titles. Cleveland made a World Series. Back-to-back for KC. Like, everybody's taking their shots at the crown. But what Detroit did is their window kind of closed for a while there. They lost Verlander. They lost Scherzer. They lost the strengths of what their team was. And they got really bad breaks with Fielder and such. And they, like the Phoenix, have risen from the ashes. They hired a manager who is scrutinized and has a checkered past. Um, 
the trash man come once comes once a week. And according to the Astros, he was coming a lot more than once a week. But the past is the past. He paid his uh he paid his punishment. And the results, you can't argue with them in Detroit. Um, they have built organically through their farm and they have added through free agency and through trades. I think the Javier Baez signing. While I am not in love with the player, um, I'll give him the nickname Black, Black Sheep Baez because he was the one top-named guy in this free agent class that I don't think got the respect that he deserved to a certain extent. He was never going to get the Correa money or the story money, and I get the bat. Skills are far different between Correa and Baez, but I think as a fielder, he's on par with both story and Correa. And so if there is a situation for Javier Baez to go to, I think this is probably his best shot. If he wants to not only improve as a hitter and kind of improve his overall image in the MLB, I think this is it. You want to know who Carlos Correa had managing him for a bulk of his career? A.J. Hinch. Carlos Correa is arguably one of the best shortstops in baseball. Crazy bat, crazy glove, and for as big of an asshole as he was in Houston, he's arguably one of the faces of the MLB. If you it, whether you like it or not, and I think bringing Baez in with a guy like Hinch, who can kind of give him tips and try and maybe through the uh, team staff can help him improve the discipline with his bat. And I think there's no better mentor for a guy like Javier Baez than a guy like Miguel Cabrera, because regardless of how you feel about Miggy as an all-time great, he's going to pass 3,000 hits this coming season, and for a three to four year stretch, he was arguably the best player in baseball. And yes, Mike Trout was a rookie second, third year whenever uh, Miguel Cabrera went back-to-back for his MVP. But we're not going to sit here and act like Mike Trout hasn't been world-changing since he stepped on a baseball diamond. Miguel Cabrera, whenever it's all said and done, will be, if not the best player of his decade, one of the top five. Miguel Cabrera's contributions to baseball are immeasurable. His contributions to Detroit, you can't speak to them. He has been a transcendent talent for a city that, hadn't seen it for a long time. And I think he is the heartbeat of this team. He may not be 40 home runs and 120 RBIs anymore, but he's still got the eye. He still can hit for around 250, and he's going to give you between like 15 to 20 home runs. And I think what he provides for this locker room will be paramount moving forward because the, the, the Tigers are in the perfect spot right now. Chicago knows who they are. They're almost capped out in terms of who their roster is going to be for the next four to five years. Detroit has some flexibility. Mickey's there. He's going to be the calming force for the locker room. But Casey Mize is young. Erod is proven, and he's not that old. They have this really, really smart mix of veteran presences and high upside young guys. I think Akil Badu is one of the more exciting outfield prospects, or at least young players, in the AL Central to start things off. If Riley Green can make it to the majors this year, that's a plus for their outfield playing out in center. And if Torkelson can hit the field this year and play consistently, their offense shoots through the roof in my eyes. Because Badu was a breath of fresh air for me last year. I didn't really know who he was, but it seemed every week he was doing something sensational. Um, I like the pitching staff. I think compared to the Twins and the Royals, they probably have a better one through five than both of those teams. And if we're looking at their uh, bullpen, they've improved. They added in Andrew Chafin. I like Michael Fulmer, and they have some other pretty good names sprinkled throughout there. At catcher, obviously, there's no Salvador Perez, but Tucker Barnhart and Eric Haas will be perfectly fine for what they're trying to do this year. And first base, obviously, Miggy can play there, but Jonathan Shoup is probably going to take a lot of the uh, days out at first base. 
Um, second base, Willie Castro should be good. As you were alluding to, Grant, uh, Heimer Candelario is a very underrated player, especially in the context of this team. And I don't care who you are. If you can add a top five guy to position, you do it. As a Giants fan, we added Rodon. And while he's not Max Scherzer and he's not Robbie Ray, he brings value to the team. And I think with what Detroit has built, Javier Baez has to get with the program. I don't think he can, he can continue at his pace of swinging at everything and get along with this roster because I don't think AJ Hinch is going to really want to deal with that. So either he's going to get benched or they're just going to have, have they're going to have to have a conversation or move on from him. This is the crossroads for this is the crossroads for Javier Baez in my eyes. Coming out of this offseason, does he want to be the uh make or break Javi Baez from Chicago and then in New York, or does he want to be the next great player for a franchise that's been seeking the next big thing since Mickey started to, to decline. And Javi's not that old. He could slot in really well with Spencer playing that third base spot. And if you look at the farm for this team, it's not just Spencer. Riley Green is like the fifth ranked prospect in all of MLB. And if you weren't paying attention to the draft last year, I think my favorite prospect out of all of it was Jackson Job. Like, yeah, Jack Leiter's great, but he had like three years in college. Jackson Job was throwing some of the nastiest stuff in the nation, and he's a high schooler. So I just think if they can get bias to commit, and then if, if Akil Badu is going to continue to uh, develop, and then you guys, you got guys like Daz Cameron out in the outfield as well, you are young where it counts, and you have leadership where it counts. And at the same time, your veterans aren't that old. They have a distinct window moving forward, and if they can build upon last year going into this year, I don't know if they get second in the division, but they are going to be compelling and they're probably going to give a lot of the teams in this division a hell of a hard time, especially if Casey Mize and uh, who's their other second young starter, especially if Turnbull and Casey Mize can take their next steps in this rotation. They could be really, really compelling in terms of a wild card spot. I, I like their upside a lot in my opinion. Um, I think they don't have much variance in terms of like outcomes. I think they finished between like at worst a close fourth, but I think it's going to be third or second for them this year, especially if Torkelson can come up. And if Riley Green's up, that means they're probably playing well and he's been playing well in the minors. I just think with the talent they have and the experience on the back end and some of their veterans with a guy like AJ Hinch, you've just got to give him some talent and he's going to maximize it. So with a division where you have Tony LaRussa and Terry Francona as the other two managers that I have a modicum of respect for, give me AJ Hinch nine times out of 10. So they have a lot of things going right for them. It's all going to come down to the play on the field, but coming out of this off season, all signs are pointing up for Detroit. Alrighty. I didn't realize how much we've been going. We're already an hour in. We still have two more teams. All right getting late over here it's only five but it's late for me all right the cleveland guardians um i'll quickly go through this team because i like this team a lot um mainly because they're gonna throw out five extremely quality starters every night um you got shane bieber aaron savali zach Plesac, cal contrail quantrill and tristan mckenzie you have eli morgan logan allen also in there in the mix um but most likely the first five are going to be your starting five throughout the season um you have Emmanuel Classe closing out games in the back. Um, God, I wish he was still a Ranger, but that dude is nasty. Um, at catcher, you have Sandy Leone and Austin Hedges, probably their weakest spot. Um, I know Roberto Perez wasn't the greatest hitter in the world, but he's one of the better defensive catchers. Um, so we'll see how kind of how that goes for them. 
Um, you got Bobby Bradley, um, Andres Jimenez. You got an MVP caliber player in Jose Ramirez, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Josh Naylor is going to come back from a broken leg. That's going to be awesome to see. I feel really good for Josh Naylor being able to recover yeah. and come back from that. Um, Miles Straw, a uh, great leadoff hitter. I think he's going to be really good for the Guardians. Um, you got Fran Mel Reyes, who can hit a ball 800 feet. Um, big dude, a lot of power. Um, the biggest thing about this team for me is going to be scoring runs. They didn't do it very much last year. Um, their rotation, their bullpen is going to keep them in the game most of the time. But outside of Ramirez and uh, Reyes, they didn't get a ton of production in trying to drive in those runs. They were getting guys on base and they couldn't drive them in. Um, so they kind of had a quiet offseason for the most part. Um, didn't make too many moves. Didn't really need to. Um, they still had an okay season um, last year, but I don't know if they get a bat at the deadline if they're competing. Um, obviously, if one starter goes down, it you know it's going to be a whole. I think Cal Contrill and Zach Plesac are going to have their bad days. That same with Tristan McKenzie. They all have extremely high potential, but they still have a lot of learning to do at the MLB level. And the the MLB is only getting harder and harder. Every time we talk about a team, it it seems like we only really have a ton of positives positives to say about their offense. So really now you're going up against high octane offenses every night. You're not as much going against a insane starter as much as you used to. You know, unless you're the number one or two, you're kind of matching up with uh, kind of a middle of the rotation, back of the rotation guy who's kind of there just to hopefully eat innings. Um, so scoring runs is going to be paramount for this team. Obviously by winning games, you will need to score more runs than your opponent. If you were unaware, that is, that is how, uh, you win a game in major league baseball. Um, yeah. So the way, no, okay. <laughs> um, obviously the, the health of Shane Bieber is going to be extremely huge. He missed a ton of last year. Um, didn't really blame him once they were kind of out of it. I didn't really see a need to throw Bieber out there anymore. Kind of just give him the rest he needs, reset, and have a solid 2022. Um, I think the Guardians could uh, be dangerous in the playoffs, a, especially in a wild card series or a division series by not giving up a ton of runs. Um, but I think they're going to need to add a bat at some point because I think they're going to be in the area of they're just not scoring the runs to win their games. Well, um, Cleveland's interesting. Um, if I gave KC shit for holding on to hope after their World Series window, they actually won it. Uh, Cleveland made the World Series. LeBron clapped in the stands for a cool minute, and then it seemed like everything disappeared. Um, for franchises that are concerned about winning, they sure love to give away top players in the game. And I'm not going to speak about paying Lindor the money the Mets paid him. I'm not sure how I evaluate him at shortstop compared to his contemporaries. But it says a lot about a franchise whenever you have your cornerstone and you say, we like you, but we're not going to pay you. And you ship them off. And it's one thing if you're going to ship them off and get a nice treasure trove of prospects, which Cleveland has some interesting players. I think Tyler Freeman might be coming up uh, this season in 2022. They've got a, George Valera sitting number two in their uh, farm as well. I don't know a lot of these names. They don't really jump off the page to me as guys that I've seen in the top, like 25 of MLB's top prospects. And honestly, I'm not going to speak upon them all that much. 
their pitching will be their bread and butter. And this is going to be a season for the Cleveland Guardians where it's going to be make or break. I think if they're not going to be competitive to start the year, it's going to get real interesting. They're not moving on from Shane Bieber. Tristan McKenzie will be safe. But they've got a guy that can get them a lot if they move him by midseason. Jose Ramirez is the next big fish. Uh, if everybody is waiting for Olsen and Chapman to move, I think Ramirez is the next guy in line. Teams are already kicking the tires on this dude. He is a really, really, really good third baseman, and he carries a pretty good bat. So I hope Cleveland does not sell Jose Ramirez because that would be the final nail in the coffin for me as a fan of this team if I really cared about the Cleveland Guardians. But I don't hate their lineup. I really hope Josh Naylor can come back healthy. Uh, I've been to three MLB three MLB games in my lifetime. First one I saw was actually down at Petco with my buddy Derek. I went with his family. We saw the Rockies play the Padres, and Josh Naylor hit a ball straight like 110 miles an hour off the bat in like the second deck. It was insane. And so Naylor has some insane natural power, and I think if he can be healthy and play every day, he's going to be a good bat for this lineup. Like Austin said, Fran Mill Reyes carries a really big stick, and if you don't place the pitch, he's going to rocket that thing out of the park. Miles Straw will be fun in center field. I think he's an actual he's an actual consistently good MLB player. He might not have high upside, but he's his floor is relatively steady. Um, Ahmed Rosario, he's not Francisco Lindor, but you could do far worse at shortstop, in my opinion. Their offense doesn't have the upside of a Minnesota. Their pitching staff has all of the upside Minnesota wishes they had. Whenever you can field Shane Bieber, Aaron Savali, and Zach Plesak, along with McKenzie going into a second full year of pitching, I have high hopes for their rotation. And I don't have a lot of worries about the bullpen, but they're going to have to answer some internal questions going into the middle of this year and where they want to be and how they evaluate their farm. Because if your team is a third or fourth place team, as is, and your farm has no real fruits of the labor, you got to diversify the portfolio. And I'm not saying they have to clean house, but speaking for a team that last had significant playoff pull in 2015, and they've moved on from those cornerstone stars that they had during that run, it's a fair question to ask them what's next if this year can't pan out in a positive way i think if they're out of playoff contention before the trade deadline they have to start kicking the tires on something because it's not going to get better especially with the other teams in this division being a little bit younger and having more flexibility in terms of prospects and probably payroll so cleveland while i love their pitching staff i think if everything goes wrong they could be in a really dark place by midseason Yeah, I um, I think Cleveland is doing what the Rays are doing, just less successfully. They're a small market team that has yeah. proven that they're not going to hold on to guys that require a lot of money. And Jose Ramirez, up until this point, has been the exception. I mean, he's still on a, a team-friendly contract, so that's part yeah. of the reason. But when they let Lindor go, the writing was on the wall, and they've let they just had a revolving door of starting pitchers. It's like they lose yep. a guy and then they next man in. Um, since uh, since Francona took over in 2013, their starting pitcher ERA is top five in all of baseball, which 
is not surprising at all because like I said, they've just, it's next guy up. I don't know what they have going on in their minor leagues, but their pitching development is one of, if not the best in all of baseball. So they have that to fall back on. It's just once these guys get good, can you hold on to them? So Shane Bieber, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end his career as, as a Cleveland guardian, just because they, they can't afford to, unless they're going to make him like the one guy that they decide to keep. So mm-hmm. yes, the rotation is really exciting. It's always going to be Tristan McKenzie is a very good young starting pitcher to have as your SP five, potentially like that. That's insane. Yeah. They, <clears throat> they're going to hold down the other opposing teams from scoring. So that that's something, but I don't think they're going to get a whole lot of runs themselves outside of their top four guys that I see in their projected lineup. I'm, I'm the offense is going to be interesting. Um, Miles straw is a good table setter. He's going to steal you a lot of bases, good quality contact guy. Like Devin said, Ahmed Rosario is no Francisco Lindor, but he's, he's an average to above average shortstop and he's going to, you know, just get better with more playing time. And I mean, you guys have talked a lot about Jose Ramirez and it's all, you know, all worthy because he is an insane talent. One of the most frustrating players to play. I would know having to face him, you know, 20 times a year, you think you got him, you'll go, you'll go in a game, you'll strike him out twice. He'll come out for his third or fourth at bat in the game. They're down, you know, two runs, guys on base, walk off home run, or he'll hit a game tying home run. The most frustrating thing about him too, is that he'll turn singles into doubles. Like it's nothing. If you have an outfielder that's just lollygagging to go pick up the ball and throw it back in, he's on second base, which is extremely valuable to have. So he's just an everyday grinder. I mean, there's not much more you can say. He's great defensively, great offensively, great speed, great power. One of the best switch hitters, which is pretty rare nowadays too. Not many guys can do it from both sides really well. And then Framiel Reyes is just like a freak. Every time I – He's just huge. He's massive. Every time I see him up to the bat, I'm like, is this a basketball player? Like, is this a tight end? So, And he's not even 27 yet. So that's yep. really exciting for them. They got a good contract with him. And I hope Naylor can come back to provide some much-needed pop in their lineup. Because outside of those guys, there's not much to be excited about. I mean, Bradley Zimmer is a decent outfielder, and he proved – that he could play, you know, in the 2019, 2020 season. So it's a good guy to have. And Austin Hedges is a, is an average to above average catcher, but yeah, like you guys said, outside of that, their offense isn't super exciting, but I think their starting pitching can keep them in the, in games and um, keep it close. I, I think though, the value that they have in Terry Francona is why they have been competitive. He's, he finds a way to manufacture yeah. wins with, their bullpen and um, fun fact about their bullpen. One of their um, relievers is a former outfielder for the Tigers and Anthony ghost. He was, uh, Dude, he was on, guy. yeah, he was on um, some of our really successful teams and honestly just couldn't keep a spot on the field. Cause we just had too many guys um, really fast. It was a pretty good outfielder. Just couldn't really hit the ball. So he, he like semi retired and then said, I'm going to try pitching and he actually can throw like high nineties from the left side. So there's some value in that. And if he can make the, the, the bullpen for the 
major league level team, that would be quite a transition. So that's something to look out for and just keep an eye on for the Cleveland Guardians this season. Anthony goes decided he couldn't hit the ball, so he made sure nobody else could either. <laughs> it, it it's crazy how that how the guy was like, well, I can't make it as an outfielder. I'm going to semi retire. Okay, I'm going to become a successful pitcher, and here I am working my nine to five. I mean, it's oh well. You gotta there, there's talent there to be able to do that. Yeah, it, it, it also speaks to how freakishly good. I know we all know this, but how freakishly good Otani is to be able to do both at the same time. Yeah. All right. Sounds like our, huh? Dude, it's hard to walk and chew gum sometimes, dude. (laughs) If I'm reading a book and somebody's watching a TV in the other room, I'm like, ah, fuck it. It's getting dicey now, my friends. Two more weeks and we all get to fangirl over Otani. Two more weeks. You know what? I'm going to be the contrarian. I'd be like, was it that impressive? Babe Ruth did that without calisthenics. I'm just kidding. It's all jokes. It's all jokes. Uh, Sounds like all of our division winners to repeat the Chicago White Sox, Tony LaRusa's Chicago White Sox. Um, I think he's playing Sudoku as we speak in spring training. I don't, I don't think he fills out lineup cards. He just looks out there and says, go, go ahead. (laughs) Then your mean Mercedes is crying in the corner and he's like, Hey, you want to be a pro ball player? And your means like, what are you (laughs) talking about? Um, Grant, start us off of your division rival. Yeah. Um, so like we were talking about the pluses with the Tigers and Cleveland is their manager. I think the manager for the White Sox is actually their biggest weakness. Um, I have a, I did, let me, let me rephrase that. I did have a lot of respect for Tony La Russa up until he became the manager of the, the White Sox. Just the way he handled the whole, you mean Mercedes situation and the way he's managed his ball club has been very questionable. He hasn't adapted to the way that teams operate. And I think that's honestly their shortfall. I, I think this team will win the division. No questions asked, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get swept in the playoffs in the first round, just because they don't have the, that's where the manager comes into play and makes those game time decisions. You can have all the talent on the field, but if you don't put the right guys in at the right moments, you're not going to get very far. Extremely exciting team. I like this team a lot, even though they're a division rival. Um, Tim Anderson, the swagger he brings to the table is, is, you know, infectious. So I think that just goes down the lineup. Uh, Jose Abreu is, uh, I would say, Miguel Capura light. Every year you're going to get 30 home runs, 100 RBI, and he's he hasn't slowed down yet, and he's 35. So good for him. Um their catcher, Yasmani Grandal, uh, true um, sabermetrics like outcome for him. Horrible batting average, insanely great OBP because he just takes walks. That's there's value in that, especially in the middle of your lineup when you've got guys like Luis Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez hitting behind you. So those four in the middle of the lineup, I think, is best in best in the division, one of the best in the American League. Um, outside of that, they're they're um, and I mean Eloy Jimenez is not great defensively, so you've got Luis Robert playing seventy five percent of the outfield. I mean, I'll never forget that one play where <laughs> Luis Robert runs over and Eloy Jimenez just kind of like he's like, "You're gonna get that right," even though it's like right above 
Eloy's head and he wouldn't have had to take five steps. So there's um, Luis Robert, I think, is has potential to win the MVP this year. He's one of the best players in the league, extremely high upside young guy. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, I think they're, again, I think um, Larusa is ruining Andrew Vaughn's career. And I hate saying that because it's only his second year, but Andrew Vaughn is very talented and could easily be the uh, first base DH for the uh, White Sox. But um, I just think that he, um, they're playing him all over the field. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. Um, outside of that though, um, Starting rotation is exciting with Lynn, Giolito. Dylan Cease has insane, insane upside. Um, Kopech has insane upside. I hope that he actually gets a starting starting role. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this team's going to do exactly what it did last year. It's just how how far can they go into the playoffs? They might surprise me. Um, their bullpen is one of the best in the division, if not the American League, all of baseball with Kimbrel Hendricks, um, I forgot that they added Kendall Graveman. That's another good mm-hmm. piece to have. And then Garrett Crochet is a guy that can throw it as hard as anybody. So it's – oh, and they added Joe Kelly. I forgot. That was that was this yep. past week. So that will be interesting, Joe Kelly and Carlos Correa in the same division. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that pans out. But, yeah, I think this team is a division favorite for sure. Yeah, I think the White Sox moving, at least into this year, their window is still open for a World Series. I think they really missed out last year, especially with the fact that now whenever we're looking at the White Sox, Tony La Russa might be one of my bottom five managers in all of baseball. I just think it's so short-sighted, but okay, Austin, we get it. He's a Hall of Famer. I have to respect my elders. I don't give a shit. Um, Tony La Russa <laughs> is the antithesis to modern baseball in a league that has gotten so smart and so analytical that fucking uh, Kevin Cash cashed out and just pulled Blake Snell because fuck it, the numbers tell me to. Like, Tony La Russa doesn't listen to numbers. He listens to his gut, and sadly, I think he's dealing with a gastrointestinal type thing right now because any move he made last year just didn't make sense. And so... While the White Sox have one of the safest floors in all of baseball, their upside is criminally low, due in part to the fact that they have a 77-year-old managing their team, and his managerial strategy is stuck in 2002. I think any upside you can glean from this roster is not with Tony La Russa, and White Sox brass should kind of be ashamed about it, because this is a team with the proper management. If you got a Bob Melvin out in Chicago, I'm just saying, we would be talking about this team extremely differently, because... We want to talk about the best teams in baseball, and everybody thought the Padres were going to be knocking doors down last year. Jace Tingler said, hey, dude, let me talk to you for a minute. And yes, they got injured and stuff happened. But if your manager is not up to the task, it does not matter how much talent you have, you will underperform. And yes, the names are here. This roster hasn't really changed a whole lot since about 2019-2020. And... They lost Rodon. That's great. Lance Lynn was a world beater last year. Don't know if I trust Dallas Keuchel at his age with his track record over the last couple of years, but you give me Giolito, Cease, and Lynn as the top three. Lynn over Cease. Losing Rodon hurts, but then again, what are they actually losing in Rodon? He hasn't been fully healthy for a bulk of his career. Hoping he can have a great year with the Giants, but I digress. We look at the bullpen. For all of the positivity we have seen thrown Atlanta's way, 
because they have made insane moves this offseason, bolstering that already great bullpen. I think we're sleeping on the White Sox, to be frankly honest. There is no, there's arguably no scarier 8-9 combination than Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. Liam's the type of dude that if he dropped a hot pocket, he'd probably cuss out everyone in the household. Not because he's angry, just because he's so high intensity. Kimbrell is disgusting whenever he's on. Adding a guy like Graveman, who was really, really good last year, and then you have the meme lord himself, Joe Frowny Face Kelly. This bullpen is built to win, and I don't think they're going to be giving up a lot of late leads, especially if LaRusha can just say, okay, here's my inning, guys, point and click. He doesn't have to really maneuver it. He just, ha- he just has to tell Joe Kelly, hey, it's the sixth inning. Don't allow a run. And then, okay, Garrett Crochet, it's the seventh inning. So on and so forth, rinse and repeat. The lineup is the lineup. What else can I say? Yasmani Grandal, for however low his average is going to be, the dude gets on base. He is he he's he doesn't make sense sometimes, but you know, that's fine. There was a there was a stat I heard last year. Like he batted 240 last year with a 420 OBP. He's not gonna give you a lot with the bat, but he's gonna be on the base paths. And that's insanely valuable with a lineup that's this juiced. Um, and he's not a bad defensive catcher. Um, Jose Abreu, for his age, is still a really, really good offensive first baseman. And if he's healthy, he's a plus for this lineup. Josh Harrison, I think, is an underrated addition to the infield, especially with his bat, if he can be more so what Harrison was out in Pittsburgh. That may be too much to ask for this guy. But in terms of the grand scheme of this team, he doesn't have to be throwback Harrison. If he can just be who he is and fill that role, it's going to be just fine because – Right alongside him, you have Tim Anderson. And if if I can borrow what Grant said, his swagger is infectious. That walk-off homer he hit in the uh, Field of Dreams game reignited a love for baseball that I forgot about for about like two months last year. Like Tim Anderson is everything that baseball should be celebrated for and everything Tony La Russa hates about the game, all built into <laughs> one player. And it'd be one thing if it was just Grandall, Abreu, even Harrison being added, and then you have Tim Anderson. Yohan Moncada's playing third base. Like, if, if if you think of a high-end name at a position, the White Sox tend to have it. Like, Moncada's not a top – he might even be a top-five third baseman. I don't consider him among the likes of, like, Arenado, Bregman. I think he's a little lower than those guys, but he is still an above-average, too high-above-average third baseman at his spot, and he fills the lineup brilliantly and then don't get me started on the outfield if Lo- if Luis Robert is healthy he could be one of the better center fielders in baseball especially with his bat his potential in my opinion is damn near limitless he there's a reason why in the sports card market everybody was flocking to try and get their hands on whatever Robert card was going to be coming out and then that's not even bringing up Eloy Jimenez with those two guys in the outfield obviously Robert being the better defender their bats speak for themselves this offense is good enough to win the division by itself. But whenever you're talking about this team, the bullpen itself is arguably the best the division has to offer. And while Cleveland's starting rotation probably has a more consistent upside, I guess, because Bieber's a great top-end guy. And I don't think Giolito is on the same level as a Bieber right now. I do think Lance Lynn is just as good as any number two Cleveland can field. And if Dylan Cease is going to be that guy, their rotation is is as compelling as any other team in this division. And then if Tony LaRusse can kind of get his head out, head out of his ass and play Andrew Vaughn in the proper ways, it gives this team 
another layer and it just makes them that much harder to beat. While I don't expect them to win a world series because I tried to play that last year and it blew up in my face. Shout out Tony Larusa, but they're the front runners and Tony likes it that way. Will they win a world series? Probably not. Will they win this division? I'd be damn surprised if they didn't, even with how bad Larusa can be at times, because there's that saying, I think Kevin Durant said it, um, hard work beats talent when talent, uh, fails to work hard. Um, there's way too much talent on this roster for them to not make the playoffs in this division. But if we're looking at other teams in the AL, I don't know if I take them as seriously as anybody else in the true contender category, because they're going to be there. But I just, with everything considered, there's teams that have similar lineups. There's teams that have similar bullpen, similar uh, rotations and way better managers. And baseball is not a game one in single aspects of the field. You have to have the complete roster manager front office in tandem because unlike basketball, unlike football, it takes a village and there's 162, 162 games followed by three to four rounds of just rock fights, essentially. So shout out the White Sox for what the third straight division, uh, well, second straight division title or third, right? Because 2020, 2021, and then this year, right? Yeah. So, yeah, three-peat, good for them. Will they have hardware? We'll find out. Yeah, so I'll make, I'll make mine super quick because um, you guys pretty much hit it on the head. Giolito, Keiko, Cease, Lynn, uh, Lopez. A lot of um, uh, reps in that lineup with Keiko, Giolito, and Lynn. They've been there, done that. Um, Dylan Cease has really nasty stuff, and he's learning from the right dudes um, to be better. Um Tony LaRusso can literally put his bullpen on a dartboard, throw a dart, and whoever he throws in there is going to be just fine. Um, Kopesh, Kelly, Bummer, Crochet, Kimbrel, Hendricks. Uh, it doesn't matter. He he can mix and match every single night. Um, Kimbrel can close games. Crochet can close, close games. Most of those guys can close games if Hendricks needs a day off. Any guy can set up for the eighth. Any guy can set up for the ninth. It literally does not matter who he throws. If all those guys are on like they usually are, they're almost never going to give up a late lead. Um, Grandal, not the best hitter in the world, but great defensive catcher and walks a lot. Um, I think that's the most you can ask out of a catcher these days. Uh, Jose Abreu, Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn. Um, these guys are going to hit home runs. These guys are going to drive in runs. They're going to score a lot of runs. Um, I thought Josh Harrison was a really good signing for them. He is a guy who can give anybody a day off when need be, and he's got a decent bat. Um, he plays with a lot of um, maybe not as much swagger as Tim Anderson do- does, but he's he's a very infectious guy to be around. He's very energetic very happy all the time um when josh harrison was an oakland athletic last year i could see that a lot watching the games um he's just a really cool dude to be around and i think that's a really underrated signing for the white Sox when they didn't have a whole a whole lot of holes to fill anyways um i don't think there's anything stopping this team from a division title um the only thing stopping them from winning a division championship or even a world series is themselves and tony la Russa. um I'm not sure on the strategy of bringing in a manager three times your player's age, um, but it didn't work that much last year. They got their asses kicked by the Astros. Um, it could easily happen again. Um, I think it's 
funny that the Astros actually kicked their ass because Dusty Baker's like five years behind uh, Tony. Right? It's, yeah, it, I'm it's, sitting here saying LaRusso's old as like, shit and we got Dusty Baker. It's like Baker. they thawed Tony out of like the Stone Age. That, that's what it feels like. <laughs> the difference is <clears throat> Dusty is adapting and yep. LaRusso is not. So yeah, that, that shows you right there. If LaRusso is willing to adapt and take on this new age of baseball, I think the sky's the limit for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just And it's going to it's good, well it's going to be tough because every single team that makes the playoffs because it's most likely we can probably guarantee, maybe not guarantee. Baseball's weird, but if you look at Houston, the Yankees, the Red Sox, um the Blue Jays, the Rays, um the Guardians and we'll stop there because Teams like the Mariners and the Rangers like could make the playoffs, but we're not too sure what they're going to do yet. So we'll pick teams that have already made the playoffs. That is a a tough ass teams to get through. And Fine. when you know they were at the bottom of those teams last year, and it could easily happen again. But it, it's on them to play on the field. So I think before we sign off on the subject, I just want to do a thought exercise with you guys. I know, wow, super exciting. I'm just going to list off. Um, this or that in terms of the American League managers. And we're just going to go from uh, Baltimore to Toronto. And I want you guys to tell me if you want this guy or Tony La Russa. Starting off first, Brandon Hyde or Tony La Russa. La Russa. Yeah, Tony. Alex Cora. 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 Francona. Francona. Oh, Francona. I don't know the answer to this one. AJ Hinch. 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 Dusty Baker. Dusty. Dusty. Mike Matheny. Tony. Uh, I think I go Matheny there, honestly. <laughs> so we've got two for Austin over the LaRusso right now. Uh, Joe Madden. Are we taking uh, LaRusso over Joe Madden? Joe. Madden. Okay. Yeah. Rocco Baldelli. What a, what a name. Rocco. Yep, Rocco. Rocco doesn't have the playoff experience and hasn't done well in the playoffs, but he's taking his team there. He's, last done, time, he's done enough. The last time, uh, last time Larusa had playoff success, I'm pretty sure Obama was president. So I'm going to table that. Let's for not discussion. talk about no. Look, Aaron, look at me. Look at me. We are not going to talk about the last time <laughs> Tony Larusa had playoff success. Okay. Yeah, we're just not going to talk about it. It was it was freezing. Um, it was Aaron a Boone. cold October 27th night of 2011. <laughs> How are we feeling about Aaron Boone over Tony Larusa? Larusa. Mark Kotze. I think that's a tough one here. We haven't seen him yet. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen yeah. Mark Kotze, but Mark Kotze is going to have a yeah. What do you want? A tough Mark time. Kotze yeah. To do? Uh, Scott surveys. Tony, I don't like uh, Scott Service. I think I'd take. I think I'd take Service. Oh, Service. My bad. Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. Yeah, this one's for you, Austin. Chris Woodward. Woody, I've seen Woody be really good with these young guys. I would take Woody any other day. I I like Chris Woodward a lot, even as even if I wasn't a Ranger fan, I like the energy that he brings and what he's had to go through. Um, it's as simple as this: the Texas Rangers hiring Jeff Bannister set their franchise back really hard, and they had to reset. And Woodward was the start of the reset. Okay, and then the final one is Charlie Montoya, which I think we're all going to resoundingly say Montoya. Charlie. So Tony, he congratulations! Make bullpen decisions, but Charlie. So congratulations, uh, White Sox! You have the second uh, least desirable manager in all <laughs> of your own uh, American League. So 
as we all said, Chicago, good luck. But I think things get tight near the end. But I don't know. I Just to add on to that, I was shocked because Chicago and Detroit were both looking for managers at the same time. And mm-hmm. the hinge rumors were going around like it's an obvious pick for Chicago because they have a team that could win right now. That's their only missing piece. And when they, I think they ended up signing Larusa before Hinch. I was shocked because yep. I was like, "We're getting him," and I was. It's just oh, no. to to add to add Larusa or to <clears throat> Larusa to begin with. You know, has been out of the game and then came back, and he's just that. That in itself is bad. But then when you add on the fact that they had a chance to pick Hinch over him, it just there had to yep. be something there that we yeah don't know. yeah it's. For, for as great as the roster is, you can only do so much with the bottom five managers. Even looking at the NL, I've got maybe one guy that I would take. Well, maybe I, I, w- I would take Tony over Tori Lovulo. Lovello. And maybe, yeah, Lovello or Bud Black, maybe. But beyond that, everybody else, I'm taking over him. Even Buck Showalter. I haven't seen what he's going to do with the Mets, but I trust That's him better. currently more than what Tony's done. So uh, to all of the White Sox fans listening, um, Enjoy the regular like. season. You guys are going to have a fun time. <laughs> and if Tony goes after your mean Mercedes again, I'm coming. All right. Well, we will continue our Tony LaRusa bashing next week, along with Gary Sanchez for no reason whatsoever. Um, next week will be the National League West, a completely stacked team, uh, while the Giants will finish fifth in the division. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that's that, Those are wise words coming from you, friend. Hello finished fifth in the division for the past five years you got you guys um, made like a billion dollars you guys are gonna have at least what like 80 wins this year easy easy we're good <laughs> I'm sorry i'm sorry um so before we sign off as always we want to thank grant um yes. for coming on um if you don't follow him you should um at it's been database hit, database hit whatever whatever whether you say data or data you just follow him it's that easy simple as this man Grant is as makeshift as a manager can get at this point. It's been four weeks. If you haven't gotten the, gotten on the train yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. The lockout's <laughs> done. Correa got signed. For all we know, Minnesota's the new hub for all of baseball. <laughs> Although Grant, he's got all the information. I'll be scrolling Twitter myself, and I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. And it's <laughs> just things that you wouldn't even think of. Grant's got his finger on the pulse. So thank you again for coming on, Grant. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate you guys having me. It's it's always fun, and I uh, look forward to next week. Oh, dude, hey. some killer! I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have an aneurysm talking about the Giants because Austin's gonna just get into my ear. It might be a two parter because Devin's gonna take an hour and a half on the Giants alone. Yeah, we we can just take a half hour off Austin and let him just do his thing. <laughs> it, it'll eventually just turn into this True. really antiquated Barry Bonds should be a Hall of Famer take for some reason. He's <laughs> why. Barry Bonds is why the Giants can't sign big name free agents. We signed the biggest stop. name free no, agent no, ever. Stop, stop. We're if not start due. now. If you start not, now. You're right, you're right. But speaking of starting, um, start using our code TMSM at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. I, I know. I'm hammering it home. For every week the grain's been here, you've been hearing my mug talk about, uh, you know, shaving your balls. So, Help us help you out. And if you're looking for any of your men's care needs in terms of the grooming sphere, manscaped.com, code TMSM, four letters, 20% off, free shipping. Oh, God, sorry. I blacked out. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
for Devin, for Grant, I'm Austin. Um, we will be back next week with the NL West. Grant will be back with us. Um, like I said, if you don't follow Grant, you definitely should. Grant, as always, thank you for hanging out with us once again, uh, especially talking about your team. I'm very excited oh, to watch uh, the Central this year. It's going to be really interesting, to say the least. Devin? Well, you know, this is the part where I ramble for another five minutes. No, I'm kidding. You guys know what's coming next. So from everybody in this room to you, peace.